TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in here on a Wednesday morning. I'm just laughing at the back. Is this the first time we've ever played the Backstreet Boys during the show? No, I've, I've had a few others. Had you? Okay. Not very often, though. I was not <laughs> consulted. I was going to say, this was clearly not John's choice. It wasn't really my choice either, but I like it. You know, they, that's that's my generation just a little bit there, a little late. But uh, happy to have you with us here. There is so much going on today. Uh, you ever just have one of those mornings where just you're you're just annoyed at the universe? That's how I'm walking into the day today. I'm waiting for a different kind of day. With my, yeah. Like I have those all the time. That's just pretty much how I wake up. My first customer service fight of the day, and it was the first one, went from 5.45 until 6.45 this morning. And that was just the first one. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if anybody can relate coming up a little bit later. We'll save that for the noon hour coming up later because there are more important things to get to than me whining about things. Um, <laughs> we have several story updates to get to. We gotta talk about this, um, this, Kirk, this Kirkwood cop. We'll get to that first. We've got to talk about the latest with Zoe Felix because the DCF report is out now about her. She was the one that was raped and killed. Uh, that was over in Topeka. And so now we know exactly what the DCF knew about her leading up to that death. And we'll talk about that funeral home in Colorado that had all the bodies in it. Wow. Because uh. that... That story has changed yeah. a bit. Now, granted, most funeral homes have bodies in them, but this I guess one, that's true. This one yes. went to excess and they were being neglected and neglected to the point of just being ignored. But yeah, more on that one in a little while. Valid. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. But let's start with the uh the Kirkwood officer here. Just to recap, what we went over yesterday is what happened over the weekend is there was a trunk or treat event going on at a middle school in Kirkwood that was actually for the elementary school, but it was being held at the middle school because it gives them a little more space. And a man showed up threatening people, acting weird, grinning maniacally, and, and started telling people, you're all going to die. He also lifted up his shirt and showed off his badge because he is a St. Louis or yeah, is for the time being a St. Louis County police officer and showed off his gun, which at some point during the evening, he fired several times. Didn't hit anybody. Thankfully, nobody was injured in that, but he was tackled to the ground and eventually arrested is now facing charges and is on unpaid leave from the department. That's what we knew from Saturday. What we found out today is is that there were indications this guy was headed for some kind of break. Because we questioned what would inspire someone to do that. It just seems like it's out of nowhere. Uh, this was out of riverfronttimes.com. It sounds like on Friday night, he was out causing other trouble first. Yes. Uh, there was a Crestwood resident who said, Luby 
Luby, Lubby, Luby, what is that short for? Uh, <laughs> Lubby Kelly said he and his wife were uh, driving through Kirkwood in separate cars, 7.30 p.m. They said a man driving erratically turned from Jefferson Avenue onto Kirkwood Road, that's downtown, hit two cars downtown. The driver almost hit this guy's car, but instead stopped near the vehicle, the wife's car, motioned her to roll down the window and yelled at her. He then went a block north and at that point stopped his car in the middle of the road and yelled, you're next. And that was the first time that he yelled, you're all going to die. Mm -hmm. I I mean, this is something that he had been doing for over 24 hours before the incident that happened at the trunk or treat. And and they knew because they saw his picture on TV after Saturday night. And they went, oh, that's the guy. That's the one who was causing problems on Kirkwood Road. Now, let me explain a little bit about, as you mentioned, that's near downtown Kirkwood. Jefferson Avenue and Kirkwood Road. Uh, We talked a little bit about Kirkwood and its kind of idyllic nature. That stretch is full of restaurants and bakeries and little shops and things like that. It's it's uh, there's also an ice and fuel there, which is like a bar and grill. Uh, It's very well populated. And it's also an area where a lot of people walk because you're just going from shop to shop. So it's not unusual even in the evening hours to see hundreds of people out walking the streets of downtown Kirkwood. It was a very dangerous situation. It's also a narrow street. So we should point out that was the first time over the course of the weekend that police were called on this police officer. So again, we're talking about this one guy said he pulled him into a church parking lot and called police, but the driver followed Kelly. Again, the driver being this officer that we're talking about that caused the whole scene on Saturday, that driver followed Kelly into the parking lot Police told Kelly to drive to the police station even as his pursuer got out of the car and started approaching him. I mean, just kind of going after him. So Kelly left for the police station. The driver kept following him. But by the time he got to the Kirkwood police parking lot, the guy had left. Yeah. And then there was another altercation where he said words to them that we can't say on the air. (laughs) We'll leave you to the riverfront times for that part of the story. But yeah, I mean, to even act that way in the presence of police shows you that, I mean, there was something seriously, seriously wrong with him. And it it ended up in that incident where shots were fired. I think we can all count ourselves lucky at this point that after that 48-hour period was over, nobody ended up getting hurt except for him when he was tackled to the ground by the people that eventually subdued him. Uh, Now, one of the things that we had talked with Michael Calhoun from KMOX about yesterday was what we knew about his record. You ask him that. about Has this guy been a problem before? The Riverfront Times has apparently gotten some information, and their quote in this is, McCulloch's public record is pretty thin. He's the, And they go on. He's the son of St. Louis County Prosecutor. He's prosecuting attorney Bob McCullough, who is no longer in that office. Uh, his wife filed for divorce in March. And that's funny because that was one of the things, as we were talking about this yesterday, my wife texted me and said, uh, what do you think the odds are his wife has filed for divorce recently? Now, I don't yeah. know how recent March is. That's maybe, uh, what was that, six, seven months ago? Mm-hmm. But still, uh, there were apparently some stressors going on in his life. And what the result of all of that was, or what, if anything, that had to do with his eventual break, we don't know. But they're going to have to really get down to uh, you know, the bottom of what's going on inside this guy's head that led to all of this bizarre behavior. Uh, it should also be noted here that another detail that we didn't have yesterday that we do today, thank you to the Riverfront Times, is that Michael mentioned to us he was uh, initially uh, booked into uh, St. Louis County Jail 
and was given a $500,000 cash-only bond. Remember, we talked about cash-only bond a little while ago. Mm-hmm. That means you can't use a bail bondsman. You have to come up with all of that money in cash. According to the RFT, he didn't and remains in jail at this moment. I want to talk about um, two other things that are in this story. You talked about what's in his head, maybe needing some some evaluation. Um, his attorney wrote in a court filing related to the hearing that's scheduled for next week, McCullough agrees he is in urgent need of a mental health evaluation and treatment. I think that's that goes without saying, yes. I have a question, though. Is that something we think he is just saying because he knows the system well enough to know that if he can blame mental health, that maybe gets him gets him out of some things here? Uh, um, he's the only one that knows the answer to that, obviously. My, my suspicion would be no. Uh, that, that, that he is seriously in need of help. And I, I'm not saying that because he's a cop and, or, or any of that. I'm saying that because of the behavior. Um, the fact that they all described in this story and in the story previous, the fact that he had that grin on his face through all of these incidents, yeah, that is a, a, a pretty significant indicator that there's some kind of, of break going on. Now, I am not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or anything like that. I read a lot about these things, and that that uh, one of the signs that they look for in trying to search out the origins of some kind of psychotic break or if somebody is involved in that is an inappropriate emotional response to a stimulus. If you're angry, you look angry. If you're angry and you're in the middle of a psychotic break, you might look happy as a clam. You might grin. You might have wide eyes. All kinds of things might happen. That inappropriate response is something that Again, could be in my totally unprofessional attitude uh, or or assumption here could be indicative that there's something really seriously wrong with this guy. Someone's going to get a hold of that divorce filing to see what's in it and to see if there's anything interesting in it. I mean, if it just says a reconcilable difference is fine. Yeah. But sometimes in those records, there's more to it than that. Sure, because it's one thing to look at. It's like symptom versus disease, right? Did that start him on the road towards some kind of break? Or was or, he or was he already in the middle of some kind of downward spiral? She recognized it and said, I can't stay around for this. Yeah, um, the other part of this it may be irrelevant, but that they put in this story is that per records, he owns a Jeep Cherokee and that's the vehicle that they thought it was on Friday night. Yes. Just to further kind of confirm, like they don't know if that was him, but everything fits that, that this started on Friday. Yeah. And one thing that just came in on the text line is uh, one of the other things that can cause that kind of uh, incongruous reaction to a stimulus is heavy drug use. That's absolutely true. At this point, we have no evidence of that. In in this case, that he was on any kind of drugs whatsoever. But one way or the other, a mental health evaluation seems like it needs to be done here. They may do a mental health evaluation and find out exactly what you said is true. That he was trying to set himself up for a mental health defense and he's really not. I would hate for that to be true. I just, he's a police officer who knows how the system works. Sure. If, if someone were to do that, it would make sense that it would be someone who's inside the system, the son of a former prosecutor, I mean, would know exactly what's going to 
what's going to fly. And that's exactly why you have professionals and not just, you know, radio hosts who have no training in the matter. <laughs> right. Look at him, talk to him, and and do everything they can to try to get to the bottom of what's going on there. Uh, but one way or the other, I mean, that, that behavior is just – it's bizarre, especially considering the fact that, as they said in this RFT article, up till now, he's shown no outward signs to anybody else, save perhaps his wife or soon to be ex-wife, uh, that he had any kind of problems going on whatsoever, that it just skidded off the rails very quickly there at the end. If you have thoughts on this one, 913-586-7798. Uh, coming up next, we will talk about the DCF report. It is out on how familiar they were with Zoe Felix. We'll tell you they were very familiar with her, and now we know what they found every time they were called. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. So we talked about this story. Uh, here's your adult content warning. The story was already bad when it happened. Uh, the stuff that's in the DCF report makes it just worse than where it started. So um, if you have a hard time with stuff like this, there's your warning there. We talked about this when we heard about this. On October 2nd, a five-year-old girl, uh, Zoe Felix, uh, died after she had been found at a gas station. Fire crews found her there. And what we learned is that she had been I told you it was horrible. Uh, she had been raped and killed by a man at this homeless camp where they think they had been living. And then we learned a lot of detail about why she wasn't staying at home with mom and what the neighborhood knew about her. And a lot of us were screaming because the neighbor said, we called DCF, Department of Children and Families, multiple times about this girl. Why wasn't anything done? DCF had to re release their report within, I think it was within 10 days, and now it's public, and now we know what's in it. Yeah, and, and what they said essentially was, well, there were a lot of times we knocked on the door and nobody answered. Well, keep in mind, not only did the neighbors call DCF several times, they called DCF several times to say, that girl's living on the street. She's not in the house. So really for them to go up and knock on the door and nobody answers so they just leave doesn't make any sense. How about you go around the neighborhood a little bit, start knocking on doors and asking people, have you seen this girl? Do you know where she is? And there's no indication that they did any of that. But they also said that they couldn't find, and this just again baffles me, they couldn't find any direct evidence of the mother's drug use. And then they said, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal anyway. Because at some point, the girl had been taken away from her mother and left in the custody of her father. Now, I know one couple where she was an inveterate drug user and he never touched the stuff. One. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Out yeah. of a lot of people who use a lot of drugs and the idea of, well, mom's a real problem. So let's just take her away and give her to dad. Was that the best idea? What's confusing to me about this a little bit is um, because we have the dates of the report that DCF got, what it was about, and what their findings were, what, what they did as a result. What's confusing to me is the neighbors were so adamant about the conditions at that house. It is confusing to me that in so many of these reports, the case was unsubstantiated. The only way I take that is one thing was reported 
And then they found that not to be true or they couldn't find evidence of that. Sure. Well, and there's only so much DCF can do. I mean, it's not a search warrant. DCF right. can't come into your house and start rifling through your drawers and looking in your attic and pulling up the carpets and doing all the other stuff. All they can do is look around the house and say, is there a bong on the table? No. Okay. So they're they're kind of limited. And I'm not picking on them. I mean, they're limited by law. There's only so much they can do. And if they don't see any kind of direct evidence that, that she's using or that the conditions in the house are unlivable, that there's no food in the house or whatever, there's not much they can do. But here's one of these. On May 18th, they got a report that there were no operating utilities in the home, which is which I, I come back to because that's something you would know. Walk in the front door and you're going to know that pretty quickly. Sure. And the report was that the home was in generally poor condition. The case was assigned for investigation due to physical neglect. Uh, Child Protective Services found the home to be livable, utilities operational, and food in the home. So why get a why did somebody report no utilities if the home again you would know that it, it sounds like they were good at hiding things it sounds like i mean if that initial report came in and said all the utilities are off well uh, you know they find that out the the family finds that out and they say okay we've got to do something about this let's pay the back bill let's do whatever we have to pawn stuff do whatever pay the bill get the electric turned back on so that when the other investigator comes in to follow up everything's on everything's working but keep in mind there are people who live in cabins in the woods with no working utilities. Right. You don't have to have that stuff right. for it to be livable. It's worth noting that multiple times the state offered services to this family. It's in here multiple times. DCF offered family preservation services to the family. I'd love to know more of what that's about. Yeah. They were declined. Um, family was offered court services. They were declined. Multiple times they offered help and, and the family declined. So then we get to August 29th. DCF got a report, again, no utilities, and that there was drug use. This is when the state tried to contact the family a total of seven times over the next month, but were unsuccessful. Uh, visited the home on, is that five or six dates in September? A letter was sent to the family on September 20th. They tried to call them on September 21st, but the number was disconnected, and she died on October 1st. Yeah. I sit here still not having an answer to how this happened because our assumption was, did DCF not investigate? Did they get all these reports and blow them off somewhere? No, they didn't. They did what was in their power to do. Yeah, it, and it, it, it sounds like they did what was in their power to do and they did what they were demanded to do and nothing more. That, like I said, I mean, when you've got word from them that they got, I believe back in November, that she was living on the street, that a five-year-old girl was living mm -hmm. on the street, um, and you go up and you knock on the door of her mother's address and nobody answers, do a little bit more than that. So then, so then I ask the question, um, legally, this is where I, I ask, should the law change to give them more power? Because I, I just wonder, does the law tie their hands to oh, a I'm certain sure. degree? I'm sure, yeah. I mean, they, like I said, they can't break into the house. They don't have a warrant. Uh, so, you know, they couldn't go in. If nobody answers the door, there's not much they can do at the house. But when you're getting reports from the neighbors, go talk to them. And Laura Howard, the top administrator for the Department of Children and Families, said a, a full and thorough investigation will be launched. And she said, we will take every step necessary. Great. Now. So hopefully we never have this happen ever, ever, ever again.
which is good for the future. Um, I, I get what I said before was like, do we need to have an overhaul of DCF? Do we need to take a look at everything they have the power to do? Because if nothing else, why couldn't they just call police? Yeah. They can't get a search warrant, well, but what's to stop them from knocking on the door of the Topeka Police Department? Well, and the police were there uh, a couple of times. Let me see if I can uh, find that part of the article. But, yeah, there were a couple of, of police responses to the address as well. And, again, without a warrant, I mean, you can – DCF can call the police and say, we have a suspicion something's going on. Right. The suspicion won't get you a warrant, so the cops come, they knock on the door, nobody answers. There's not much they can do at that point either. If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. I mean, there was more to this about, you know, the child being thrown out of the house by mom and and where dad was. And and it's just... It's just enraging. So yeah. if you have thoughts here, feel free. And even that, we'll get to the phones here in a second. Uh, you know, even that piece of it, where they said, uh, you know, "Mom threw the girl out of the house." She threw everybody out of the house. It sounded yeah. like if something happened. Mom threw a tantrum and said, "Everybody out!" And that's when that cascade of events that led to this little girl's death really started in true. We'll take a break. We'll get to your calls on this next on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Department of Children and Families in Kansas has released its summary report, uh, the case file, the summary case file, of what they knew about what was going on with Zoe Felix in the months before she was raped and killed. We'll go to the phones on this, and you've heard some of the specifics on it about what they knew, about the the reasons why, in some cases, they couldn't come to any conclusion on uh, on their investigation or, or even corroborate some of the things that the neighbors had said that they had seen. But what else can be done? I mean, it just seems like this was a case that was let fall through the cracks. And Diane Leavenworth wants to take some uh, issue with all of this. Hi, Diane. Welcome in. Hi, guys. Good morning. 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 About this little Zoe, your sweet little girl. Uh, what would have happened if, like, say, because I know what I would have done. I would have gotten her off the street and taken her to the hospital or the child care or the police station. Would would they have gotten in trouble if they had done something like that for and said, uh, you know, you kidnapped my child or something? Or what was the holdup for the, the 
and not saying that the the neighbors are responsible. Sure. But when you're a grown up and you see this all the time, wouldn't you think that one of them would have tried to take that baby somewhere to get her help? Kidnapping, though? Well, yeah, that's it's such a great question. <laughs> Diane, thank you. Um, uh, You're right. I, but... Yeah, you'd have to have somebody file a complaint. I, my thought would be... I think you're covered if you do a couple of things. And again, if I'm wrong on any of this, if you're if you know that part of the law better than I do, which wouldn't take much, by all means. But my thought would be if if it were me and I see a little kid who's in distress, a five year old kid who is in distress and walking around the, the neighborhood and just, you know, the things are not going the way that they're supposed to. And, uh, you know, it, what I would likely do is bring her in to the house and mm-hmm. have her sit, you know, sit down, make her a sandwich or whatever, you know, keep her occupied for a little while. And then I would make the call to DCF and say, okay, you know the kid we've called about a bunch of times about her, you know, uh, living in, in squalor? Uh, she's now homeless and she's in my house. Either send somebody from DCF or send the sheriffs out to get her. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's so tricky. At, at the very least, I put myself in that position and think like if it was somebody in my building or somebody I knew at the very least go to mom if you can go to mom and say you have thrown especially after they threw out of the house I mean at some point you go to the mom and say I get that you don't want to do this can I take her for a while like, like walk her up to the door of yeah. mom's house uh, yeah, yeah I see what you're saying that's, that's say, probably an even better idea offer to mom and say hey i get that you're dealing with some things maybe you just need some space to get your life together a little bit do i have your permission to keep her with me for a while yeah and the reason why i mean even as i was saying it the reason why i hesitated to say you know bring her into the house and call the police and have her come to your house as soon as she's in your house and behind closed doors Boy, are you opening yourself up for all kinds of possible liability. Oh, all you no need, All you need is one person, mom or dad, to say, you know what they did? And, yeah, I mean, you can't prove it. It's their word against yours at that point. I, it, boy, so now that I've said that, I'm going to totally backtrack on that and say don't under any circumstances do that. Uh, and maybe that's it. Maybe you just sit outside on the porch with her and make that phone call and say, get somebody here now because this little girl needs help. I guess the point, the only point that I keep coming back to is be relentless about it. Yeah. You have a five-year-old girl and it ended in the worst possible way. And again, you don't want to blame the neighbors. Credit to them for being relentless about it in calling DCF. For making the attempt. Absolutely. Uh, and and it's, you know, and we are in a lot of ways Monday morning quarterbacking this totally. thing. It's easy to say now, well, I would have done it differently because we know what happened. But you're right. I mean... I think most of us, because there is that that hesitation to get directly involved, because the more involved you get in something like that, the more you open yourself up to to possible liability for whatever. And you may not even know that you're opening yourself up to, the, right. to that kind of liability, that that's why people have that hesitation to get involved. They did to what they thought was the best of their ability. I understand the hesitation if you're not sure. I understand the hesitation of you don't want to get DCF involved unless you're sure. Yeah. You know, but in this case, they were certain. I mean, in this case, 
look at this situation, you know what you're dealing with. You know you're not wrong. Yeah, once once you know she's living on the street, something's got to yeah. be done right away. Five, that, that is no place. That's no place for a 25-year-old. It's certainly no place for a five-year-old. Well, and they said, like we, they had said earlier, she, you know, the only food she got was when she went to these neighbors' houses, and the only clothing that she got is they were basically taking care of her anyway. Yeah. So um, the suspect here has been charged involuntary manslaughter, if I'm not mistaken, um, and a slew of other charges here. So they got him. I mean, at least they got him. We don't know mom in terms of what's going to happen to mom now. I think we discussed the wide variety of charges that mom should be facing, including neglect and every possible thing. And child endangerment. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if they can, if the law can change in a way to give mom more charges for her role in this, I'm totally behind that. You threw you threw the kid out of the house. Yeah. At five. Uh, uh, yeah, text line kind of backed up. Yeah. If you find a very young child just walking down the street, sit there with them and call police until and stay there with them until they arrive. Simple yeah. as that. That's uh, really you're right, and that is probably the best idea of all. Absolutely. Okay, we'll leave it at that. And if we hear anything more about this, we'll certainly certainly get back into the story. Here is another adult content warning for you. Um, we go now to the update on this funeral home out of Colorado. Wow. When we last talked about this, what we knew was that the place was falling apart, that there was a hearse out back. This, yeah, this is in Colorado, as Jamie just said. Uh, there was a hearse out back that was also in a state of disrepair. They said that there were weeds growing up through it. So it had been some time since that thing had moved. And somehow... Uh, there was a tip-off, and I say somehow, we know why there was a tip-off. It was because of the smell that neighbors started to say, there is something seriously wrong over there. And there were people that were far enough away that they had to stand on their roof to be able to see the place, but they could still smell it. And when the police arrived, they found bodies in garbage bags, lots of them, just strewn about the place. The number we heard first was 105 that number has been eclipsed significantly. And then I thought I heard 115. Yep. It went up a little bit. Uh, press release came out from the Colorado Bureau of Investigation yesterday, updating that number to 189. And I'm going to call them sets of remains because we don't... We don't know um, what shape they were in. Right. It, yeah. It's going to require DNA testing because of the level of decomposition, but 189 individuals at least have been discovered it's it's uh, i mean it's hard to imagine just because we don't know what the families of any of those people were told right um i'm just looking at the release a little bit more here um teams removed at least 189 individuals took them to the coroner's office the number could change as the identification and investigative processes continues um yeah I, I do ask, um, what were families told before that they believed? I mean, what were they told was being done with the bodies that they, and it's, it's confusing to me a little bit because, and, and you've been through this too, the death of a loved one. I mean, you either bury the body or you are given, you are given remains because they are cremated. This is the, um, this is where I wonder about the, isn't this, wasn't this a nap? Yeah a natural 
That's what, yeah, that's what you they know? said. That this was where you were going to be buried without a coffin, uh, no steel, no metal, no nothing. That that it was basically going to be the burlap sack kind of burial, so that you would. And there's, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. There are funeral homes all over the place now that do that kind of thing where it's allowed. It isn't allowed everywhere, but Colorado allows you to do that. So they said that this was going to be one of those sort of natural burial places. Their idea of natural burial apparently just involved leaving bodies laying around. Yes. Um, and we don't know how far this goes back. How do you, how do you, where do you, how do you even begin? Yeah, what was to the find first one? I thought, I thought that same yeah. thing this morning. I was like, what was the first body that they went, eh, we'll get to it. Yeah. And then it just piled up. But we don't know how far this goes back. How do you even begin the process of, I, of, contacting families i mean first you have to identify them and that's going to take some time because dna is not quick so then so now you know who you have and i guess then you attempt to find their families i mean you you attempt to go to them but if you can't find the families of everybody yeah because you just can't track them down through facebook or, or whatever the heck it is how you're going to figure this out I mean, this could go back a decade. Well, yeah, and, and, or more. And of course, not everybody has a DNA profile you know, that's a, that's available uh, to on compare paper it to. anywhere, right? So even getting DNA won't necessarily give you an answer as to who that person is. There are a couple of things that the sheriff said. This is Fremont County Sheriff, uh, I forget his first name. Alan Cooper. Alan Cooper, thank you. Yeah, I knew it was Cooper. Uh, that, that he said... First of all, he described, he said, without providing too much detail to avoid further victimizing the families, the area of the funeral home where the bodies were improperly stored was horrific. Hearing the word horrific come out of a cop's mouth, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah you, you, don't, you don't argue with that. And he said, right now, the focus of the investigation, as you pointed out, is identification. They want to find out who these people are. So I'm going to guess by that. That what that means is they haven't contacted any of the family. We don't know what the families were told because they're still working on identification. Once that's done, then they'll contact the families involved. But you've got to figure that any family who used that funeral home has to be sitting there right now going, I, I know it's me. I well, not yeah. me, but I know it's it's my loved one. It's my family member who was treated like this because with almost 200 bodies already identified, that's got to be well over a year maybe years worth a couple of you have asked on the text line this is described as a funeral home so were services never done i mean did no yeah. one ever go inside this facility which makes me wonder what the most recent funeral there was like, was it a while ago? Had there not been services there in a while? Yeah, and we mentioned the hearse being all you know, overgrown with weeds. Look at the picture of the outside of the place. It's oh, overgrown. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nobody's cutting the grass. It doesn't. It looks like a place that's been abandoned. Um, it's not falling apart, but it does. It looks like a place that nobody has bothered to, uh, to keep up in a very long time. Under Colorado law, green burials are legal, but state code requires that a body not buried within 24 hours must be properly refrigerated. So the number of charges that will be piled on here, uh, we don't know yet. The funeral home is cooperating. Oh yes, there is a name in this um, of somebody accused of trying to conceal the alleged mishandling of the bodies. John Halford, oh, the owner, um, is accused of missing tax payments was recently evicted from one of his other properties. There's been a lot of legal trouble with him. 
Um, also facing a lawsuit from a local crematory that stopped doing business business with him due to unpaid bills. Um, so is this desecration of a, of a corpse? Is that at the, at, where we start? At least, yes. Um, and now, as far as the rest of the investigation goes, and they do, I mean, even in the literature that the funeral home was giving out to prospective customers, they make mention of the fact that in the state of Colorado, a body must be buried within 24 hours or embalmed or placed in a regulated temperature-controlled environment. But they say, we don't do embalming. So they said, you know, you can still view your loved one who is not embalmed. Embalming, they say, is not a law with emphasis on not. Um, But the sheriff said, yeah, the second phase of the investigation is going to be confirming identification and completing family notifications. Uh, They said that'll be conducted by a team led by the Fremont County Coroner's Office, victim advocates and others. uh, And this is expected to begin within the next several days. So they haven't even started yet. The other part of this will be financial. The other part of this will be the massive lawsuit that will be filed because of the amount of money that the families of these 189 people paid for services that were clearly not rendered. Here's uh, uh, somebody on the text line asked, were they giving them fake ashes? To all indications, they weren't promising cremation. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what happened at any kind of graveside service, if there were any? What was actually put into the ground, if anything? uh, We just don't know. I mean... There's a lot of questions about what happened here and very few answers at this point. They said currently there is no timeline for the completion of the investigation. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> Given the <laughs> Might be a massive, year. yeah, the massive <laughs> job they have in front of them, it's going to be a very long time. But if they haven't even started notifying families yet, the, the problem with going after them in a lawsuit is this guy was missing tax payments. The reason right. why you do things like this to the texter's point about the fake ashes, that goes back to the Georgia case where they where the fake cremations were going on because cremating people is expensive. And the reason they stopped doing it is because they couldn't afford to run the crematory anymore. And so you just wonder, um, like you hear about hoarding cases that start small and you hear people say like it just gets out of control and then it gets so big that you just can't tackle it. Was it that or was this purely... For financial gain. Yeah. Did this guy know exactly what he was doing and do it on purpose? And when was he planning to stop? Yeah, Where was this going to end? Right. Was Was there ever any thought in his mind of, boy, as soon as I win the lottery, I'll bury all these bodies? Or was it just, was this going to be something that was going to go on in perpetuity? He was going to just keep taking money from people. If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. I know it's been a heavy hour, but all these stories are fascinating. Uh, we'll get to your comments next on KMBZ. All right, a couple quick stories here. Lighten things up before uh, the end of the hour here. The tumbleweeds are back. You and I both saw this this morning. You saw the story. I just saw some of the pictures that were being tweeted out. Where was the last place we talked about this? Southern Colorado? Uh, yeah, I think it was somewhere out west a little more. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, in the Four Corners region, maybe. Uh, yeah. Colorado, New Mexico, somewhere uh, in that neck of the woods. And tumbleweed season rolls on, literally and figuratively. Uh, but this time, a little farther north than that. Great Falls, Montana is the latest city that has now been, according to reports, overwhelmed by tumbleweeds. Uh, Let's see. There were sustained winds of more than 30 miles an hour with gusts of more than 50. And that brought these tumbleweeds in. uh, Overwhelmed with tumbleweeds. Piled several feet high against some houses with some piles touching the rooftops. (laughs) 
and try and get out of your house past all of the... And now, granted, tumbleweeds don't weigh that much. That's why they tumble. But still, when you have hundreds of them piled up against your front door, I'm guessing it's going to be a little more difficult to get out. This is an encouraging line in a story. A Great Falls Fire Rescue Marshal arrived at the scene as KRTV was shooting video and said they are reviewing options for clearing the area but aren't sure where to begin. <laughs> Everywhere you Makes look, feel there's better. a big pile of tumbleweeds. Yeah, where are you going to put them? Uh, now, I will I will give Montana credit for one thing. They know how to name stuff. I mean, <laughs> Great uh-huh. Falls, Montana is, you know, that's all fine and good, but they said driveways in the yards, or driveways in yards in Eagles Crossing, the area just west of Bootlegger Trail, were overwhelmed by tumbleweeds. We need to have stuff named cool like that. And I'm trying to remember what we talked about last time in terms of how you, uh, what you need, a bulldozer or what you need to get in there and remove them. <laughs> uh-huh. And then what you do with them. And I thought we talked about burning them, but you got to worry about the wind. And wildfires. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The last thing you want is to start burning them and then a couple of them roll away on fire and, you know, starting wildfires all along the way. Um, yeah. It, there just seems to be no real good solution to it. Uh, one thing you could do, uh, but yeah, but there's a problem with this too, is I am you know, kind of blue skying this in my head, is they they fall apart pretty easily. So yeah. if, if you crushed them with something, I remember hitting one with my car. We were driving through Arizona one time and, and we just hit it with a car and poof. So I was thinking, get a bulldozer, but you don't know what's underneath that pile. We'll follow this and see <laughs> and take a look at the pictures if you haven't seen them. All right, we'll take a break here. Coming up, we'll switch gears. Steve Drummond has written a book about Truman and the Truman Committee. We'll talk to him more about Truman history next here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.